Jamie. And I'm Bev. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, this week we are talking about the eighth episode of the third season of Leverage called The Boost Job. Beth, what did you think? I fucking loved this episode. This was a fucking, like, Thank a wild God. time. It was great. I was like, if she doesn't like this episode, I am going to be emotionally devastated because this episode means so much to me specifically yeah no i fucking love this park of this entire episode like i understand why you love this episode because mm-hmm. you're a parker girly through and through and this episode was parker centric and she is incredible she is iconic i love her so much i i yeah do you know where you'd like to start with this episode? Yes, very quickly I want to start with the fact that I hate that Nate slapped Sophie in the butt. I love that Sophie calls him out on it, and I also like that later in the episode when she needs him in the bull, she gives him the same bullshit excuse that he used on her for touching her butt. Yeah. So, love that, hate that, love that. Yeah. Regard- I'm not sure whether or not we'll end up keeping in everything that we discussed while we were watching yeah. the episode, because we did record a live reaction this week. Whether we use any of it or not is debatable, depending yeah. on the quality. Depending but- on how it turns out. But on the chance that we don't end up including all of it, I do want to just put a a quick point out there that I don't know if we've discussed before, but I do think is relevant. The fact that Sophie is so good at abusing the concept of men are stupid and horny, Mm -hmm. I love that for her. I love that she's like, I know this man is stupid and horny, and here's how I'm going to use it to my advantage. However, what I hate about it is that it means that she is constantly having to put herself in positions where... Men she can has be stupid to, and horny. She basically just has to let these men, like, low-key, or even not, like, low-key, assault her or yeah. insinuate assaulting her. Yeah. And she just has to deal with that as it's happening. And, like, I know she gets the vindication of, like, yeah. completely fucking up their entire lives. But it's also, like, it sucks that she's ever in that position at all. Yeah. You know? Hate it. Don't love it for her. It's gross that she can manipulate men as stupid and horny. Yeah, it's and gross that, that it's such a common thing that she can exploit it so readily and easily. Yeah. You know? It's girl. Which means, by extension, that she's always kind of in situations where she's getting... Like, she's she's letting them pretend to be a sexual predator, essentially. Which yeah. is fucking gross. It's so gross. And the fact that it works, disgusting. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anywhere specific you would like to move on from there? or Because I have, I have points. I have points for days about this episode. Yeah. Before we move on too far yeah. from this, before, because I know we're going to talk about Parker, yeah. we're going to fucking deep dive into this, but I just realized we don't really have many female villains in this show. We've had we a few. Should, I would like but... to see more mm-hmm. because stupid and horny tactics don't work the same way. No. I just think it would be interesting to have, like, a lot more female villains. And, like... You'll notice that, though, they're not just male... Not just male villains. They're straight white male villains. Oh, yeah. Like, they're making a point. Like, and I I do understand They're making a point. I do understand that. But just for the sake of getting to see Sophie try a tactic that isn't, I'm going to make you so horny that you make a dumb decision. Mm -hmm. Like, I would like to see her be able to employ a different tactic. Yeah. You know? And I think that's part of why I always thought it would be really interesting to see her and Tara go head to head because that boy yeah. wouldn't work. No. Like. The same way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. We do get a couple of other female villains through mm-hmm. the series. We do get that. Like, that's not a spoiler, I don't think. Not every single mark that they take down is going to be male moving mm-hmm. forward. But yeah, like, primarily, by and large, most of the villains on leverage are straight white men. Not shocked. Not shocked because, kind of, the point they're making is. There are a lot of straight white men in positions of power abusing their positions of power. Mm-hmm. And it is... Shit. Shit. 
And it's not necessarily like, oh, well, women can't be in positions of power and abuse it. It is... It's less likely. It's less likely because there are just less women in positions of power. Like, functionally, there's less likely to be a female villain because they, like, the villains they go after need a certain amount of societal power. And women are just less likely to have that amount of societal power. It's statistics. It's statistics. Um, what I do love, however, for Sophie in this episode is her customer service voice as she's telling, like, Art and that, Art and Joy Bauer that they've won the all-expensive trip to Tahiti. Tahiti. I mean, Hawaii. Hawaii. It's 14 whole days. I, I mean, mean, 10. 10. It, do you know what? It actually kind of reminded me of uh, Janet from The Good yeah. Place. Like, I don't know, like, just like the, the perkiness and the, like, confidence with which she said it's things. It's the vibes. Yeah, like, just perfect. I do love uh, I'll Pack My Speedo. Oh, Hilarious. All I could think of is like budgie smugglers. I was thinking about Tony Abbott and then I was sad. I was like, wow, I wish I hadn't done that. (laughs) Also, I do enjoy the fact this episode, we get a Riverdale reference. Oh, yeah. But it's not a Riverdale reference. It's a reference to the Archie comics because when this was made, Riverdale Riverdale wasn't a thing. Like, yeah. We, we get the reference to the original comics, which I think is very fun, because I feel like media these days is more likely to have a Riverdale reference because of Riverdale. Yeah. Specifically, rather than it just being a general, like, Archie's mm-hmm. comic reference. I do hate in that scene, again, this is like a Sophie thing. Yeah. Like, they're re- like they throw her in as, like, a secondary prize, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's disgusting. But what I do love is Sophie's, like, like leather outfit, the heels yeah. leaning against the car. I'm like, this is so Greece esque. Mm-hmm. Although, see, even in Greece, like I kind of hate the whole transformation yeah. that Sandy goes through because her whole thing is like, I'm gonna change myself to be more appealing to a man, and I'm like, I hate that for you. <laughs> like, anyway, this is so not the point that we're. That's we're so not the point. I also like. Here's the thing for me: the costuming in this episode, I fucking love. Like, I adore the costume. Like. Everything from, like, the really kind of hideous and boring suits that all of the salesmen at Penzas are wearing, like, Mm -hmm. the browns Mm -hmm. and the greys, and they're, like... It's something about that beige. It just adds a certain je ne sais quoi. And the hideous patterning, Mm -hmm. and, like, Mm -hmm. it's, like, it reminds me of Jimmy Papadopoulos, except for if the suits were not fun. Like, they're the boring version of a Jimmy Papadopoulos suit. And we get so much of Nate wearing a dumb hat Mm -hmm. and being annoying in this episode. Like, we've been missing it from the last few, but he, like, fucking quadruples down on it in this episode. He's going ham. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? It's wild. Like, Mm. I kind of, I didn't realize, I kind of missed it. Because I was like, I just got so used to having Nate in his stupid hat and his stupid accent. And then, like, I was like, wow, we haven't had Nate in his dumb hat and his dumb accent. Like, I haven't actually missed seeing it, but I've missed making fun of it. Yeah. And then we got it back, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm kind of nostalgic. Yeah. I was very fun. Although It's bad, but it's fun. That fucking scene where, like, him and the Mark are driving, and he, like, yells across, like, is that all you've got? You fucking think that he's going to be able to hear you? Like, Nate, babe, he's not wearing comms. Like, he can't hear you. And I was like, this is just so stupid. (laughs) Oh, but, yeah, from that... Like, and the costuming of all of that, to fucking the pyjama-looking racing suits that they're wearing. Oh my god, yeah. To Parker as the mechanic. Mechanic, Parker. That look. Bro. Every fucking thing. Every fucking thing Parker does in this episode, no faults. mm -hmm. No, flawless. 
ironically, that this is also the most decoded she's ever been. Yeah. That <laughs> Everything the- from, like, the mechanics to, like, the six months in Juby, which we will be circling back around mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to, like, trying they- to warn the kid. Immediately adopting the first child they see. Yeah. Like, yeah. And actually, we will get into this in the mm-hmm. Supernatural podcast, but also the, like, you don't want this life, kid. Believe me. Let me steer you onto the, like, right direction. That is also so de-encoded. Hilariously, like, the kid in this episode is named Josie. We will get a kid named Chrissy, and it's going to be... They're just the same character. Does Chrissy wake up? Do you know what? In this instance, yes, Chrissy does, in fact, wake up. Chrissy lives, which is lovely. But, like, genuinely, like, Chrissy and Josie would be, like... It's yeah. even, like, same age range, mm-hmm. like, similar, like, costuming, similar yeah. everything, similar attitude. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's wild. And then we get, so, of course, we get her as the mechanic, and then we get Danielle and Major. They're fucking... Right? Those looks. I... It's so funny. I said during the episode, but, like, Parker genuinely it looks like she's dressed like Neo mm-hmm. from The Matrix, and I just think that's very funny but her hair with the like little yeah. like the bubblies like with yeah the ponytail with the... i'm like it's so funny because like part of it kind of looks like just like hair ties but it almost kind of looks like what are those things called zip ties yeah it kind of looks like zip ties and i mm. just think that's kind of funny like the idea that like they're putting her hair and you would have to cut them out like hilarious but honestly the fucking energy like we don't often see parker be like intimidating no she is radiating mm. this authoritative like assertive fucking i know more than you energy and i love it though because so often when we see her expertise it's like so rooted in the idea of like no one sees her do it yeah and she's like so quick and it's so subtle and like sleight of hand and like but in this episode we get to see her be like i'm fucking good I'm better than everyone in this room. And I'm about to prove it to you. And then she's like, Hardison, I'm fully relying on you to be able to figure this out because it is actually impossible. But like, <laughs> which love that for him. I the look on his the... fucking face is priceless. But I also love the fact that she's 100% correct. That oh, yeah. he can do it. Yeah. Like she... She would not have put them in that position if she didn't think that they could pull it off. What gets me about this is this is almost like, this is a Nate move. Mm. This is something that Nate 100% would have done. Yeah. Just, yeah. like, bluff their way through and then be like, Hardison, I know you can fucking do this. Mm-hmm. Now do it. Like, that is a Nate move so through correct. and through. This is, like, the same shit he did in the Scheherazade job. Yeah. Yeah. With the violin. Like, bit different because she doesn't need to hypnotize him to do it. But, like, this is the same thing. This is her being like, I know exactly what Hardison's limits are. Mm-hmm. I am going to push him to it because he can do it if he is pushed to it. Yeah. Do you know what is really interesting is that she t- takes the same approach with both Hardison and with Josie in this episode mm-hmm. where like both of them are like distracted by the fact that other people are like watching them or maybe like yeah. making fun or whatever. And in both instances, she is like, no, ignore those idiots. Focus on what you're doing. You are capable. You can do this. And it works. In both instances, like, she's actually a very good instructor. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's a really, like, interesting thing for her character. Because we know that Parker has a lot of difficulty with, like, communication and stuff. But when she's, like, in this position of, like, I know what I'm fucking talking about. I am so skilled in this area. I can walk you through this. And I know that it is possible for you to do. Because I learned. 
And you can also learn. Like, if I could learn to do it, so can you. This is not a skill you're born with. No. It is something that you practice at. This is really interesting when you look at it also in the context of Parker and Archie. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm. Parker and Archie and sort of the relationship that they have. And also the fact that in my brain, the timeline, I think it's heavily implied that the timeline is... So she's a getaway driver at 11. Yeah. Which, hilarious. Love that for her. The fucking flashback. is. We haven't had a flashback in a mm-hmm. while. That one, hilarious. Also, it does... Like, it's horrifying, yeah. objectively. No. But... It's a lovely callback of get out of the way, you're old bat. Yeah. Because that is exactly what was on... That's why last week I put it out, like, the screensaver that said, uh-huh. get out of my way, you're old bat. Because I also think the fact that it's a cat is hilarious. Because yeah. we've previously had her described so many times as a cat burglar. Yeah. So that makes Parker cat-coded. <laughs> yeah. So we have Parker as a getaway driver at 11. Uh-huh. She starts boosting cars at 12. Mm-hmm. Where she meets up with someone called Kelly... And they boost the bait car together, except Kelly sees the cops coming and she and ditches. doesn't. He ditches her and leaves her to go to juvie for six months. So, But at this point, she's like 13. So this is where I'm thinking in the next sort of year or two after she gets out of juvie is where she meets Archie. So yeah. she's probably somewhere around the like 13, 14 sort of age when she meets Archie, when she pickpockets him for the first time in New York. Yeah, I would have assumed a similar timeline, maybe a little shorter. I would have thought that when she gets out of juvie... She's picking pockets to support yeah. herself post duty. So yes. I would have assumed that maybe she meets Archie within like a couple of months rather okay. than like 18 months. Yeah. So I, I'm, we're thinking similar. I'm just yeah, thinking. Similar brainwaves. I'm just but... thinking it took a, here's the thing though, because she pickpockets Archie. To pickpocket Archie, I assume you have to have a decent amount of skill to be able to do it. Mm. Because like Archie knows. Archie's not putting things in easily accessible pockets that he can't actively monitor. So I was assuming she'd been pickpocketing for a, for a while, while before she pickpocketed Archie, yeah. essentially. Although, to be fair, I suppose there's nothing to stop her practicing pickpocketing while in juvie. True. Like, like pickpocketing seems- might be a skill that she did learn in juvie, just like, you know, Nate learned hypnotism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like... And honestly, like, I can imagine Parker... Parker is very focused when she sits down to, mm-hmm. like accomplish something i can imagine that lock picking would be a great way for her to pass time while yeah. stuck in juvie for six yeah. months like i can imagine that like that kind of and like when lock she's picking and pickpocketing and yeah that sort of stuff. stuff that like she could pickpocket like she could practice pickpocketing on the other like people in mm-hmm. juvie with her then she could practice on the guards like yeah. especially stuff sort of like trying to like get like i don't know an extra serving of like whatever mm-hmm. you know i think that that is probably something that yeah So in terms of skill progression, she learns how to drive at like 11. She learns how to... Dean coded. Exactly Dean coded. She learns how to steal cars at 12. Mm -hmm. She then learns how to pickpocket and basic lock picking, I'd assume, all at relatively similar times. And then she meets Archie and she learns all of the other like thief skills she has, like vents and harnesses and breaking alarm systems and safe cracking and all of that sort of other stuff she learns. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that one of the foundational elements about Parker is she's always learning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because she sort of got to her peak of that craft and then she joined the team. And so now she's learning like tech stuff and sort of hitter stuff and also grifter stuff. So she's still learning. She's just learning in the other areas. More so, I would argue, than like, any other team member. Yeah, like Elliot, I would argue, doesn't really learn. Like, no. he does little bits and pieces in, like, grifting, and he does little like, bits and pieces. Like, they're picking 
they're obviously like always picking up skills from each other, but like not to the same extent. Not to the same extent as Parker, because Parker always puts in specific. And I would argue at this point she is also she's also learning from Nate, and she's also learning like the masterminding skills that she didn't already have. We also see characters more explicitly teaching Parker skills and seeing Parker teach. Like we have had multiple occasions now of Parker teaching kids skills. But we also have had Elliot specifically teaching Parker how to fight. She took down Hardison in that scene, I think, way back in, like, season one or two. And he's, like, dying. The tap out job where she takes down Hardison. Behind the couch. Behind yeah, the couch. exactly. So we have that. We and have... Elliot's loving it. He's like, that's my girl. Mm-hmm. And then Hardison's like, Parker's Yeah. And then we have Sophie teaching her how to, like, grift mm-hmm. for the whole thing with, like, Alice White and stuff. Yeah. And we've had a couple of instances of that. We've had Hardison specifically, like, showing her, like, this is how this works and blah, blah, blah. And Nate now is, like, showing her this sort of, like, leadership kind of yeah. thing. So, like, I would argue that she has been explicitly taught more than the others. Yeah. Like, rather than just sort of passively learning through observation, mm-hmm. they have gone out of their way to actually instruct her yeah. in a way that they haven't, like, with anyone else. And I don't think it's so much that people are going out of their way to instruct her. It's that she is asking to learn. Like, she's actively seeking out those skills. And because she's actively doing that... That means that when they are teaching her stuff, it's more explicit because she's... I think she just responds to it with more eagerness than anyone else. Like, she's putting herself in the situations to learn. Mm -hmm. Whereas everyone else is like, oh, if I learn, I learn. Like, great, I'll pick up a new skill. I think for everyone else, it's passive and subconscious. For Parker, it's intentional. Oh, I do really just quickly want to call out... Hardison takes down a guy in this episode. And then at the end of the episode, he's like, look, I took down that guy. Did you see me? And... Parker's like, what, the little one? And he's like, oh, but he had big shoulders. The fucking bantering. Actually, I really liked the, like, end scene. It Mm. reminded me of, and this is such a wild comparison, but it reminded me of that, like, shawarma end scene in, like, one of the the early Avengers movies. The the, literally, the original one. It was the original one. Like, it reminded me of that where, like, at the end of the, like, day, they're all kind of like, well, that was a bit fucked up. Like, let's all just, like, sit here and eat. I also think it's wild that they're basically, like, closing the bar. Like, none yeah. of them... I know that Hardison is the landlord, but, yeah. like, no one owns that business. No, but they like, are good friends with Cora, who does own the business. I mean, I guess, but, like, yeah. honestly. But also, I want to talk about what I thought was really, really interesting in that scene. Elliot is not eating. No. Every single other character is eating. And I don't really know... Like, what conclusions we could draw there? I don't know, really, like, what themes... Because we've not talked about Elliot's food choices as much as we've talked about, say, like, Parker's, you know? I also think it is heavily implied that all of the food on that table Elliot has made. Like, Elliot cooked for them. Like, that is... That is what's implied there. I don't know that it is. Because I would say that if Elliot had cooked for them, he would be eating. Like... Mm. Unless he was, like, just eating as he cooked. I assumed that they had just ordered food from the kitchen and then, like, everyone else had, like, they just closed up. You yeah. know? I didn't assume Elliot had cooked for them. Although I understand, like, why you, you could, Im- like, infer yeah. that. I don't think, personally, that it yeah. is heavily implied. Mm-hmm. I think it's just possible. But, yeah, I just thought it was weird that he literally was just sitting there drinking. And I don't know if it's, like... I don't, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to draw from that. But it just feels mm-hmm. like a weird thing. Like, everyone is eating. How hard would it have been for them to have a plate in front of Elliot? But there is nothing there. And, like... Do you think maybe it's because he's, like, 
more worried about like maybe more role in that moving forward than the rest of the team and he's sort of like because like he's also the one who really clearly airs his objections in the first half of the seasons about going after Moro. Yeah, but like the characters themselves, like here's the thing: is like I know because you've told me, yeah. and you know because you've seen the season before that a lot of this stuff is connected back to Moro. And I will get into it later, but yeah. I would say yes, this episode is definitely connected to Moro. Don't know how, but probably. And the other characters have not indicated at any point. Most like we've had literally the couple of cases that specifically involve the Italian mm. being present. Obviously, those are related. Yeah, none of the others have the they specifically been like oh this will help us get closer to like you know yeah so i don't think that maybe it like later episodes will provide further context but like right at this point i don't think as the audience we have any explicit reason to think it's that the only thing that i could potentially think is that like maybe it's to showcase that elliot is feeling a little bit isolated from the rest of the group because eating is quite a social yeah Thing and like especially eating at a table like that where it's like it's everyone's like a, sitting around mm-hmm. and having a meal and, and it's also like a debrief like it's a bonding experience for the team and the fact that Elliot is not engaging with that I think maybe indicates that for some reason he is feeling left out or he is just like not as like involved with them at this moment like he's reserving himself mm-hmm. and that could honestly be because of the whole like he got left by himself he got hit by a car he nearly fucking drowned mm-hmm. like you know, there's all of these things where Elliot was just kind of, like, knocked out of the way. He's pissed because Parker, like, everyone has sort of seemed seemingly immediately forgiven Parker for, like, the betrayal. And, like, yeah. we had at the end of last season his whole thing with Nate, or actually the beginning of this season, his whole thing with Nate being, like, do you know what I normally do to people who betray, yeah. like, their crews? Like, I think he is way more pissed than he is necessarily, like, letting on. But again, Leverage has this horrible tendency where it's like, this character is really fucked off. Let's never address it constructively. We'll just, just, they get over it, I guess. It's really annoying for me personally. Yeah, so like it maybe could allude to that, especially because we already had Elliot pissed last week being like, why can't we take a break? So maybe he's like starting to get a little bit like miffed about the way that the crew is being run Maybe he thinks that Parker wasn't dealt with as harshly as he thinks, but he doesn't feel like he can step in because, like, technically he's, like, not in charge. Mm. But I don't know. It feels intentional, but I don't really understand what the intent is yet. Yeah. You know? No, that's okay. I I mean, you can't, you can't yeah. say anything. But I'm not allowed to. I am... However, I'm the fact gonna... that you can't say anything does maybe indicate that potentially I'm onto something. Yeah. So, it could also indicate that you're onto nothing and I'm not allowed to tell you that you're not onto nothing. I mean, yeah, but I'm trying to be optimistic here. Okay. It yeah. seems like a wild thing from set and production standpoint to, to not, not just, just put a fucking every, plate yeah. in front of him. Everyone else has a plate. And mm-hmm. even, like, everyone else is kind of leaning forward in the conversation, yeah. like, elbows on tables, whatever. He's leaning back. Like, and he's in, like, a... He's darker lit. Like, yeah. it's a whole thing. I just think that something is happening there. It feels like they're indicating that if they're not indicating that, it seems like a wild creative choice to just not have him have a plate in front of him. Yeah. Even if it was an empty plate. Yeah. You know? To imply that he'd already finished eating yeah. or something. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. I mean, he might have already finished eating and just put his plate out already, but... I mean, it's a weird choice. Like, yeah, I guess, but, like, it's that a, also weird, seems weird. Yeah. One thing that I do want to talk about mm-hmm. is the scene with... Parker, Hardison, Elliot, and Josie in the car. Mm. That scene, yeah. peak leverage. So funny. The energy Iconic. of that scene. 
Like, literally, when <laughs> they're all fucking arguing. And Jessica goes, wait, who are you guys? And Parker's like, we're the good guys! Like, screams and, like, is, like, wrenching the car around the corner. It's just so funny. Like, iconic moment. I, I love that, it. like, Haddison's like, nobody's gonna kill anybody. But seriously, though, Nate's gonna kill you. Yeah, it's like, so fun. Like... I also just do love that they did. They literally baked this into last episode. They were mm-hmm. like, "We're just gonna make Parker like a men like yeah." Like- I fucking love that. <laughs> Even though Sophie had like just revoked her right to drive, she's like, "Get in, like you know, we're going driving." I'm. I've got do you the think wheel. it's maybe because at the point of last episode where Sophie was like, "You're not allowed to drive anymore, Parker." Hardison and Elliot were there. They just straight up were they were they were still like kidnapped by like the neo Nazis or whatever like they'd yeah. only just gotten away from like the explosion or like it does make sense that like it, knowing that Parker used to be a getaway driver does add further context to last episode's yeah. like driving yeah like yeah. it wasn't just throw away they did address it this episode Which it's is a fun. weird thing to address this episode but they did yeah it's wild yeah um, but I enjoy it I, I also do love the fact that last episode we got the number we got. Parker saying, who knew that a sedan could get up to 140? Mm-hmm. We get the close-up of the speedos on the race cars. These, yeah. Like the speedometers. Neither of them hit 140. That's so funny. When we get the close-up. I didn't even they, notice that. Neither of them have hit 140. They hit like 100, 120. So canonically, Parker was going faster last episode on the open road in a sedan than these two dudes are going on the racetrack in race cars. That's hilarious. I fucking love that. Obviously, they could get faster after we get the close-up of the speedo, because it is, like, as they're speeding up. Yeah. But... Even so... I find it very funny. That's hilarious. Oh, I do have one question. Yeah. So, Josie. Yeah. I was under the impression, right, and, like, this is disproven partway through the episode, but when we were first introduced to her, I assumed that she was Lefty's daughter. Like, that was the assumption that I made. I assumed that, like, that was her dad. And then you find out, like, no, no, she just kind of, like stays with this crew like she's clearly in the system or like has left the system like yeah. she's kind of floating and then at the very end like they set her up with paul and they're like you know his landscaping business and like she learns quick and i'm like that's yeah. great that's really lovely paul seems like a like a genuine guy like she's going to be doing good on its work learning a trade like cool yeah but i'm like but where's she living though like what is happening there i'm like he paul's not going to adopt her no. like that's not that's not what is happening here. And so part of me is like, okay, one, Hardison owns an apartment complex. You're currently standing in it, my dudes. I was like, is there any, like, surely Nate has a spare bedroom mm. where they can, like, you know, like, even if they just kind of imply it or, like, offer it or whatever, yeah. like, at least it kind of solves that problem. Yeah. But I'm kind of like, okay, cool. So she's going to work for this landscaping business during the day. And then what? And then what, guys? Like, and I, I realize we're probably not supposed to think about it that much, but I, that's all I could think. Mm. I was like, cool, you got her a job, but she's clearly a minor. Yeah. Like, what is she going to do? I mean, to be fair, I would, like, it's the same thing as, like, you were saying, like, oh, how are they going to legally, like, process, I'm assuming they're, they're sorting it out. Like, they're not just going to leave a minor with no place to live. Whether they, you know what? You know what I genuinely think they've done? They've hacked the system to get her place with Nana. With Hardison's foster mum. That's cute. That's I've just decided. That's I what don't know done. why, but I assumed Nana was dead. 
Oh no, Nana's not dead. That's oh, not a spoiler. I just, that, for some reason, we, I fully assumed that she was dead. No, we do learn. We do learn more about Nana down the line, and it is very yeah, like it's very clear that she is still alive. Okay, cool. Like, I love that. For some reason, like in my Hardison mind, makes mention of visiting her for Christmas. So like, okay, Nana's yeah, definitely still alive. In my brain, I was like. She ain't around anymore. That might just be the supernatural brain rot kicking in, but... No, Nana Nana is not dead. Okay, good Nana, to know. Nana is alive. Cool. Uh, that is... Yeah. So it's the leverage yeah. equivalent of sending her to live with Bobby. Yes. Great. Love yeah. that. Increases Parker's mm-hmm. Dean coding as well. Yeah. Yeah. Nana is the Bobby equivalent in mm. this. I love that. In this show. Oh, I have a question too. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can help me with this. Okay. I just... Great start. I just want to ask it. Mm-hmm. Just for the, the thought experiment of it all. Okay. At the start of the episode, mm. Duke does his lap of the track, right? Mm. He pulls up. He's like, oh, wow, that's going to be better than my last time. He grabs his helmet. Mm. He yoinks it off his head. Mm. And he just tosses it. Oh. Where the fuck does he toss it to? Maybe someone catches it. I don't. I didn't even fucking notice that. It, and he just goes, yeet, and it's gone. I, I mean, I assume because they're, like, by the pits. Mm. So maybe he just throws it into the pits and someone catches it. Like, there's a bunch of people yeah. there. Like, it would maybe make sense. But, yeah, wild choice. Yeah, he just throws He doesn't just, like, pop it down on the seat next to him or anything. He just goes, yeek. Wild. Mm-hmm. What a choice. Yeah, so I, you're right. Yeah. I have no, I can't help you there. My assumption would be someone in the pits catches it. That's my best guess. Oh, we also have to t- talk about the car this episode. The hideous, bright orange oh God, Elliot's fucking... Car. Elliot's car. Mr. Elliot, I have a price on my head in six different countries, has the most obnoxious... Like, this is... This car stands out more than the fucking Impala in Supernatural. Like It's so funny that you say that. Because I was literally just about to say it's actually very Sam-coded of him. Because Sam's whole fucking thing, it, when he goes into the season four finale, I think, and Dean is, like, trying to track him down. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the two cars went missing. The very unsuspicious, like, blue hatchback and also the fucking red-rimmed fucking race car. And Dean's yeah. like, he took the fucking race car. Yeah. Because he knows that that's the obviously terrible choice. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of for the same mentality of, like, they're never going to suspect me to be driving yeah. the most obnoxious car possible. Like, they won't even blink at it. They'll be like, well, it's not that one. <laughs> Mister, there is no paranoia when you've done the things I've done. Mm-hmm. Spencer. Is just like, yeah, my my favorite car is going to be a bright orange Dodge Charger. It's going to be the car equivalent of a traffic cone. Yeah, because that's not like, you know, that's very subtle. Oh, like, yeah. As a choice, that's very subtle. Uh-huh, 100%. I actually can't think of a more subtle choice he could have made. Yeah, like, obviously. I do love the fact, though, that at the end of the episode, the... Nate is very clearly, like, fucking messing with him. He's yeah. like, oh, thanks for giving me your car. Yeah, and I love that he's like, Hardison changed the slip. And Elliot's like, I don't give a fuck what Hardison's done. <laughs> Hardison can fucking change it back for all I care. Yeah, no, I loved it. I thought it was very fun. I like the I like the back and forth. We've had a lot of fun mm. bickering between Elliot and other characters. Not in a, like, I'm actually mad way, yeah. but in just a, like bantery way very found family of them yeah in the last couple of episodes especially mm. although to be fair it was a bit more under duress with Harvison last episode but mm. yeah it's been very fun it's been a nice little I don't know comedic relief I guess yeah. not not really but like also not not that yeah. we do need to talk about the mall of crime for a minute though oh yeah that was a weird description mall of crime I I love it as a description I think it's very fun but also just how horrifying 
that they've got oh yeah the our normal the normal scams that they run when they steal cars mm. let's do that plus a whole bunch of other crimes mm, mm-hmm. which can fuck up people's lives significantly more than just the stolen car look like, to be fair credit where credit's due they're they're seizing the opportunity mm. it's like the car theft equivalent of like nose to tail consumption yeah you know like they may as well yeah. they're already there and i'm not i'm not endorsing it i obviously. know I think you 100 are endorsing it but like you know credit where credit's due they're putting in the hard yards and i also love that they're immediately like yeah we'll show you literally every crime that we're committing like i love that there's no like ranking like they don't have to prove themselves by like being there they don't get like a probation period of six like, months crime 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 they're just like oh you stole that one car cool let us show you every single thing in our operation but no so yeah i i do i was like oh like that's actually really clever because like yeah the obvious one is obviously you're stealing a car you can resell the car mm-hmm. you can resell parts of the car depending on what sort of car it is, how you acquired it, like if you had to break anything mm-hmm. to steal the car. I also love the moment where Parker is like, also this is Lefty's car. Like, yeah. hilarious. Like, next time lead with that. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you show up to a chop shop in a car like this, like you're, go- like, you're going to get attention. Like, mm-hmm. this is going to make them pay attention to us. Mm-hmm. And he- like, Hardison's like, okay, yeah, like, I'll believe that. Like, it- it's an interesting looking car. Yeah. And then Park, yeah, she just goes, yep. Yeah. Also, it's Lefty's car. Hilarious. And Hardison is like, say what now? Also, Hardison's sup. I got it. Oh, actually, Elliot, right at the end, when he's busting Nate and Sophie out, and he's like, hey, bro, or like, sup, bro, or like, whatever. And then you just hear, like, the flesh-on-flesh contact of a punch, and then they're like, right, go, go, go. I'm like, that's so funny. I also love as he gets out of the car. He's fucking pissy. But he's like, get over! Mm-hmm. Like, fucking, ma- like, we are gonna be coming out fucking quick. Yeah, yeah. We're making our getaway. Yeah. Also, the God-level fucking idea of, like, let's steal a whole bunch of cop cars. Mm. Oh like, my god, yes. That reveal was really fun. It's like, obviously, yeah. they're gonna be... What a way to motivate them. Yeah. Yeah, make it their property. Yeah. Hilarious. I do love, though, that they did put everything back to how it was in the, like, in art auto sales or whatever. Like, they take the time to put all of, like, the, the pictures back up. But also, like... They're going to come back and they're going to be like, oh, wow. Like, everyone's going to be like, oh, wow, you're under a new management for a bit. And they're going to be like, fucking what? <laughs> they're like, yeah, you know, the cardboard cutouts. Like, here's one. We pulled out the dumpster. <laughs> also, you pointed out, as we were watching, you pointed out the cardboard cutout of Nate. And I was like, it's so funny. I honestly, like, I wanted in the apartment, I want it right next to old Nate. Yeah. I unfortunately, I don't think we ever see the cardboard cutout again. That's so unfortunate. Though I do love the fact that Old Nate is too far, apparently, for Nate. But, like, a giant cardboard cutout of him in a racing get-up isn't. Like, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, no. What, what am I going to do? Like, an artistically styled portrait of me as an elderly gentleman. Mm-hmm. A massive life-size cardboard cutout of me <laughs> in a racing outfit. Like, he's like, one of these things is horribly offensive <laughs> and the other is fine and I want it in my life. What a strange man. I think it comes down to the fact that he can put interchangeable hats on the cardboard cutout, but you can't really do that with the oil Oh, painting. use it as, like, a mannequin or something for, a, like... Like, as a coat rack. Yeah. Just, like, reinforce it, stick it in the front doorway to your house. I think that would be hilarious. You could put, like, a little tray where his hand is, like, holding the helmet, and you can put your keys on it. Yeah. 
interior design goals. <laughs> I'm a revolutionary. So it does kind of feel like you remember how when like Supernatural was really big, everyone was like, I want a jet like giant Jetson Ackles, like life size cardboard cutout. <laughs> to be fair, I was not around for that period. No. I was on Tumblr and it was to be fair, it wasn't just supernatural. It was Super Who Look. Super Who Look, the totality, yeah, like all of them. So of the three of them, definitely supernatural more than the others. Yeah, I never got the appeal of having a cardboard cutout of someone in your like house. Specifically, Jensen Ackles as Dean. Yeah, well, to be no. fair, the cardboard cutout of Jensen Ackles is the funniest. Objectively, it like stares into your fucking soul. I also saw a lot of uh, Twilight, mm-hmm. like Edward, Edward and Jacob. Yeah, they were all over the website as well. Wild choices. Wild See, choices. it would just scare me. To I have feel that like in my house. Personally, I think cardboard cutouts are creepy. Like, to be fair, if you have one, you do go nuts. You go Love nuts. that for you. But, but personally, I would, I would from freak my own out. Home. I get scared by yeah. this pedestal fan sitting next to me. I wake up in the middle of the night and I think I'm going to die. Can you imagine if there was a cardboard cutout of fucking Jensen yeah. Ackles in my room? I genuinely would think I was about to be murdered, like, at least three times a week. Vaguely human-shaped objects in my room terrifying. freak me out. An actual purposefully human-shaped object in my room would terrify me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not cool. Also, I just feel like trying to explain it to other people who visit your home. Like, that is... Like, don't get me wrong. I'm all for, like, nerdy merch and, like, you know, lovely art prints and, like... Posters. Posters. Funko Pops, if that's Funko your thing. Funko Pops, if that's your thing. You know, figurines, miniatures, all that sort of stuff. I feel like all of that is lovely and wonderful and I, I love merch, personally. And, like, I have a whole wardrobe full of various cosplays. Like... I want to be clear here. I'm not against like nerdy interior design choices or like nerdy like merchandise or anything like that. It is specifically cardboard cutouts. I don't know what it is. I think they're creepy personally. Oh, and I just do want to shout out the fact that Sophie and Nate were 100% on the same page at the start of the episode when they were like, you know, it gets chilly around this time of year. Maybe they need a little like sun and fun. And they were like, they were playing off of each other. And I think it is beautiful, especially considering this episode, they play fighting a lot. Mm-hmm. And I love that for them. I love that for them. I do love, I do love when Nate and Sophie get to stage a fake argument. I think it's always very fun because they are so good at get going for the kill shot. Like both of them have one skill and that skill is going for the kill shot mm-hmm. in terms of arguments. So I think it's very fun when they get to turn it on each other in sort of like a fun way. It's fun. It's like a little improv exercise for them. Yeah. And I think it's entertaining because it's also like passive aggressive. Yeah. And I also do love the fact that like, you know, Nate slapped Sophie on the ass at the start of the episode and that's like, ooh, gross. Why would you do that, mate? And then I do love that she uses that as a direct excuse to fucking assault him, essentially. She's like, yeah, no, it's not just going to be like a, she like fully knees him. She fully knees him. She doesn't hold back. Yeah. She's like, you know what you did earlier was a dick move, so here's my revenge. And you can't say jack shit at the time. Yeah, because I'm going to use the exact same excuse you did. Yeah. Anyway, I think there are all my thoughts about this episode. I have more, but unfortunately I don't think you're going to understand half of them because you don't have context. So I will I hold mean, them inside me for as long as I need to until you do reach the appropriate context. Okay, editing Jamie here. We kept on talking about live reactions, but we didn't actually have a spot to put in the live reactions, so... These were our live recorded thoughts. They're truly delightful, so enjoy. Wait, you thought it was a mix-up so you fucking ran? My dude, if you thought it was a mix-up... He panicked. He's never been in legal trouble before. I don't care. I've never been in legal trouble before. 
If you know you haven't done anything wrong. I do think it is remarkable that they keep on managing to find actors with faces that just scream I'm a dickhead. Oh, it's so funny. I was just going to say his facial hair reminds me of Guy Fieri. Tahiti. <laughs> I swear yeah. to God, is this going to be Nate? I'll pitch a... F- oh my God, wait, no, Elliot. 15 seconds. That's so much. Fucking hats and stupid accents. I'm mm-hmm. counting a helmet under that. Mm-hmm. That'd be fair and valid. <gasps> Mechanic Parker. Mm-hmm. I love that. There is no way he can hear you, babe. Mm. Like, I love that their entire plan hinges on Nate actually being able to race a like mm. some CSI level graphics. Well, there. those effects were <laughs> like in fucking changing channels when they did like the fake. CSI I was episode. literally just thinking that, like, it was exactly like the stabbing of the heart. Oh my god, they've got one of those Wiggly dudes. I love the Wiggly dudes. That is such a safety hazard. <laughs> I mean, you've got a hammock. Yeah, but I don't use it for fucking. <laughs> She's too powerful. Nate agrees. The fucking cardboard cutout of Nate in the background mm. is so funny. Stupid hat, stupid accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apologize, Nate. Hardison thinks that her stealing the car is hot. <laughs> I fucking love her. I love Parker. Also, her ponytail. What a vibe. Mm-hmm. What a dick. Remember how Fuck I was saying Kelly. when you were predicting that maybe Sophie would leave the team behind? I love her. Also, she's dressed like Neo from The Matrix. I'm obsessed with this. I love every time that Parker and Hardison have to like play a role, and when they have to play roles together, love it. <laughs> the look on Hardison's face. Oh, I, I'm loving this. This is a vibe. Even with Nate and his stupid hat. Mm. Which we haven't had in a hot minute. No. So far, the only downside of this episode is his slapping Sophie in the butt, but mm-hmm. she immediately called him out on it, which yeah. made me feel better because I was like, yes, mm-hmm. Sophie, tell him he's a dick. The good thing about the season, like this season is really when Sophie's like, I'm just going to fucking cool Nate out anytime I feel like it. Honestly, she should have been doing that this whole time. Yeah. And she had been, but like this season's like Not really. As... Did he just ask like a child to watch the unknown criminals? Mm-hmm. He was like, hello, child, go sit mm-hmm. in this car with some unknown criminals. Mm-hmm. John Winchester coded. You're a tool to him, but me, I'm looking to build something. Notoriously something you use tools to do. <laughs> he was really like, I'm going to... Oh, I love the twirly. That's very fun. Yeah. Um, As I said, Elliot can literally twirl anything Spencer. That is so many sparks. That feels like a fire safety hazard. Mm-hmm. Like a major one. No one is wearing safety gear. No. It's one big OSHA violation. That child is so Dean Winchester coded. This has got to be connected tomorrow. I love the assumption that it could only possibly be one crime group. Like, Well, the idea is that they're the only crime group big enough to be doing this. Mm. You're a con artist. Modern, modern fucking business principles, a.k.a. selling stolen cars. To be fair, it is a modern business principle. <laughs> He's pitching her like a fucking pyramid scheme. One thing that I like about Sophie is that she really takes advantage of that whole men are stupid and horny mm-hmm. thing. But the thing that I hate is it makes... It puts her in a position where she constantly has to let men do that kind Mm. of stuff to her. Like, it's fucking horrible. Only thing that saves it is the fact that she's doing it intentionally to fuck them over. Yeah, but it's just like, she still has to put herself in that position and it sucks. Also, I love Parker teaching children. Crime. Yeah. That's actually very de-encoded of her. I love that the engine, like, conveniently cut out just in time for him to start talking, Mm. even though no one was in the car to turn it off. They're just actually stealing cars mm-hmm. now. I think this is the most we've ever seen them, like, actually inconvenience the general public. Mm-hmm. It's quite cool, though. Mm. I hope everyone gets their cars back. Mm. 
Yeah, but they're just literally like, let's just steal a whole bunch of cars for this. What's fascinating is that this car, this show rather, is mm. notorious for having car ads just like in the middle mm. of it. And I don't think we've had a car ad yet, but this would have been the episode for it. Although I suppose they don't want to be like, hey, look at how we you can steal this car. <laughs> I wonder why no car companies want to just steal a, hey, let's steal a car episode. Okay. I feel like you could have explained that better, babe. Mm. Like, I understand, but I'm also like, maybe 30 seconds more context. <laughs> Remember last episode when Elliot was like, overconfidence will get you killed. Mm. I feel like it's relevant here. I hate, uh, they've got to be anticipating that something could go wrong with this. Unless Parker didn't tell them that she tipped off the girl, which I guess is possible. But it seems like a massive oversight on her part. Damn, the truck is so square. It's not very streamlined, is it? Back away, he says. If he backs away, he's just going to hit the truck. <laughs> Love the slow-mo. It's not at all. <laughs> Is he going to go up? There's a climbable thing. No. Run, run, run. Oh. It's going to go down. It's going to go for a little swim. Can't tell if that was like Elliot getting hit by a car on purpose or Elliot actually just getting hit by a car. Like, it's a 50-50. We've previously had that happen where it was on purpose. <laughs> Nate with his fucking cup of tea. Okay, here's my prediction. I think Elliot's going to appear wet and disheveled, just like that scene in Bridgerton. I was so right. It wasn't like the scene in Bridgerton, but he did appear wet and disheveled. Yeah. <laughs> I was fully expecting to, like, lift out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Parker, get in there. I get why you come back to this episode, because mm. this is a Parker episode. Mm. She's fucking excellent. Oh my god, Parker. Sophie just revoked your right to drive. Yeah. <laughs> fucking be more subtle, Nate. I swear to Jesus. Stall, he yells <laughs> in front of the mark. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, that's a callback to last week's episode. Yep. This is why I pointed it out. That's so funny. Surely it's been more than half an hour. Like, Elliot hadn't even gotten to the fucking garage thing yet. Can't believe Sophie willingly got in a car that Parker was driving, though. Yeah, OOC. It'll go right under old Nate. Mm -hmm. oh, yes, fucking tell him, Sophie. <laughs> I love that they're just closing down the bar. Anyway, how would you rate the boost job out of five? I'm going to give it a four. Mm. I really had a fun time with this episode. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just because like, I was so let down by last week, but mm. this one just feels so much better by comparison. But, like... I was vibing. I was having a great time. I thought it was funny. I thought the characterization was really cool and interesting. I'm really intrigued to see if they meant anything by the fact that Elliot has no food in front of him or if it was just a fucking whack choice. You know, I, I'm really excited to get more Parker backstory. The, the Dean coding was hella strong in this one. And I'm feeling particularly emotional about that because for context, we've just had the eighth episode of the Winchester's air. And if you've seen it, you know why I'm feeling emotional about that. So, you know, it's, it's been a time for me this morning. Yeah. I've been on a roller coaster. Okay, lovely. And how do you think this episode ties into getting out Noro? I've got no idea, but I think it does. Similar to what I said last week, I'm like, I'm so certain that this does tie in tomorrow. I just have no idea how. Like, there's a real consistent theme of, like, criminal circles happening. You know, they mentioned that whole, like, crime ring out in Florida, like, a bunch. They drop name-dropped that, like, six fucking times in the span of two minutes. So, like, maybe that will become relevant because that wasn't actually relevant to this episode. So, it'll be interesting. Yes, it was. Well, not really, because their only point was like, oh, it'll be this crime gang. And then it wasn't. Like, No, the point was they were like, oh, well, the El Salvadorians, they're, they're known for being particularly brutal. 
And the whole reason they specifically chose that crime game is because they knew if they made him think it was that game, that then he would have the idea to steal the cars so that the gang would then go after Nate, essentially. I mean, maybe. I don't think that it needs to be specifically this particular... Like, I don't think it... Oh, no, it's not... Like, it's... They did specifically choose that gang for a reason, and that reason is because that gang is known for being particularly brutal. I mean, I guess, but you'd think that they would choose one a little closer to home, because they also make the point of, like, okay, but they're in Florida. All right, lovely. The next episode is called The Three Card Monty Job. What do you think it's about? Monty makes me think of Monte Carlo. Okay. There's two things that pop into my mind. One, the biscuit. One, to the place. Okay. Wildly different. So you, you, <laughs> you don't know what the, like, you don't know what three card Monty is? No, I've got no idea. Okay. So I think you actually do know what it is. I just don't think you know the name for it. Okay. So three card Monty is, you know, that game that like street magicians and stuff perform where they've got three cards. And two of those cards are kings and one is the queen. And basically they toss them really fast and then you have to guess which one is the oh, queen. Oh, like the ball under the cup thing. Yeah, yeah it's like okay. that, but it's with cards specifically. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen it with cards, but like I yeah. know the ball cup game. Yeah. yeah, it's similar. And so they sort of like, they shuffle them around and you're meant to like keep track of which one is the queen to choose yeah. the correct card. So like that is what three card Monty is. Just so that you've got a bit of information okay. around that. I mean, look... It gives me a little bit more context than a biscuit, <laughs> but honestly, I don't think it helps that much. I mean, like, it could be the name of the con that they're running, like, that wouldn't shock me, but it could also be just, like, surrounding a theme of general deception or trickery, sleight of hand, but, like, honestly, that's very loose because, like, that's half of their fucking trade is of... sleight of hand, like, I don't know, man, there's not really a lot to go on. Um okay. That's okay? Yeah. No no other predictions? Not really. Like, I know that there's an overarching plot this season, but honestly, I'm still not fucking seeing it. And, like, I'm sure at the end it'll be all revealed and it'll all fucking make sense. But, like, it's not trackable. In Like, when you're watching it for the first time, like, and I, and this might just be my experience, but, like, it, I'm still having the same issue I was having with the first two seasons, which is, like, okay, but I don't, like, nothing is actually connected. The only things that we know for certain are connected are the episodes that have had the Italian in it. And that's been, like, two episodes. And it was, like, the pilot of this season and one other. And, like, like I'm sure it does connect, but I'm also sure that it connects in the way I'm sure everything in each episode connects. And then at the end they do a reveal and they show you how. But, like, unless you've watched these episodes 12 times over, you're probably not going to pick it yourself. And that's just, that's just my experience. Hmm. I'm, like, I feel like I should be able to put it together a bit. I think because it's straightforward, though, they just don't give you the same sort of clues as, like, Supernatural gives you. I just would like them to give me any information and i like genuinely give it to me like i would like them to exposition dump because i like i the only reason i know there's an overarching plot is because of two scenes and the fact that you've told me like at least supernatural you know there's a plot there like the only reason that i know like at this point i would have forgotten about the italian if i wasn't trying to think about it this whole time yeah don't get me wrong i'm enjoying leverage i like the show i think it's fun i think it's like it's a good little i like my blobos it's a happy fun time but it's just like man can we finish anything leverage is just badly suited for podcasting about inherently compared to supernatural which is somehow specifically designed yeah, it's weird it seems like it's intentional like, like it's wild and it is like very it's very defeating to me because i'm like oh yeah i just want my fun little blobo show 
and I want my friend to watch my fun little Blorbo show with me. But my issue is my fun little Blorbo show it's is hard just to talk about bad, bad podcasting material because yours is a sad little Blorbo my show. My trauma show. My, <laughs> mine, mine's a fun little Blorbo show. Yours is a sad little Blorbo show. Yeah. But the sad little Blorbo show is inherently better for podcasting about just because either the it's episode bad. is <laughs> so bad that you can fucking roast the shit out of it for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. The episode is weirdly fucking good mm-hmm. and you have to like ask yourself how the fuck they managed to make this shit you have to good. deal with that for 90 minutes or it's a wild combination of both mm-hmm. whereas my fun little blobo show is just the a, fun little blobo it's exactly what it says on the tin it is yeah and it's like not a, we talk about supernatural and how it's sort of like a kiddie pool except for occasionally it will drop down to be as deep as the falcon marina trench or whatever yeah. like but leverage is not leverage is like just a it's, kiddie pool it's it's waist height pretty consistently through all of it there's a lot of like fun things to like swim through and like think about and stuff but it's you're not gonna so get caught in a rip like. yeah because it's so consistent and it's so you, yeah. you know like they they sort of they do do that like they do a soft reset at the start of every episode it's like everything has already happened and like that is reflected on the show but it's like a character will get pissy in an episode they will vent about their like how pissed they are in that episode and then they'll get over it yeah it doesn't have these long like two or three episode long Arts. things because it's not designed that way mm. And that's, like I said, like, it's a personal preference thing. It's basically a police procedural, except for the best police procedural, because the police are the villains. <laughs> and I do love that. I know that in retrospect, I'm going to be like, wow, they really laid it all out for me. And if I was just watching the show casually, I would not care. Like, yeah. I would just be like, la, 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 having fun with my blobos. I would have forgotten about the overarching plot entirely. And then we'd get to an episode where they'd be like, oh, remember the overarching plot? And you'd I'm be like, like damn. Yeah, I fucking forgot about that. But the fact that I am trying actively to figure it out. Yeah. And they are literally, like, there is absolutely nothing that mm. I can pick out. I'm going insane. Because I feel like it's not the kind of thing that you no. can preempt. No, because here's the thing. Sometimes it's like, sometimes it's like the fucking Scheherazade job. Where it's like, okay, yeah, this connects because the Italian is there. Mm-hmm. And the Italian is like, you specifically need to do this. So that's how it connects. And it's very obvious. Other times the connections are like people, places, technology, themes. Like, you know, like information. Like that, that particular fucking type of alarm system that I assume will come back. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I worked all. it out. You analyze leverage like it's supernatural and I analyze supernatural like it's leverage. Yeah, and I know that. And that's why I'm so good at predicting fucking supernatural because I've come from leverage. And I don't understand what the hell is happening in leverage. Because you've come from supernatural where it's like if you if something is relevant, they're going to do... Yeah, I'm so used to looking for like lingering shots and music like cues and eye contact and fucking half assed conversations and character dynamics. Like, this is why I'm like, why is Elliot have no food? Because it's important when Dean doesn't eat. Like, I. Okay, lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us for this episode. Um, if we had any like reactions in this one, I don't fucking know. It's an episode. I hope you enjoyed it regardless. Yeah. If we don't end up including the reactions, but you'd like to hear them, let us know. Maybe we'll pop them out as like a bonus. Anyway, but thank you so much for listening this week to our episode on the boost job. Please join us next week for the three card Monty job. I'm sure everyone else knows why I'm excited to get there. 
I'll find out soon. Beth will find out soon enough. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a lovely afternoon, evening, night, day, midday, brunch, lunch, midnight, 2 a.m. Regardless of the time of the day, we hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find us at all, you can find us on various social media sites. Suggested topics of conversation include... How much you have missed or not missed Nate's dumb hats. Yeah. What, do you think someone genuinely caught the helmet or is it just like gone? Mm, mm-hmm. And also, how long do you think it took Elliot's hair to dry? Because yeah. I'm genuinely curious about that. We didn't bring it up at all in the episode, <laughs> but I'm asking it now. He didn't have a towel, so he's just air drying. I have this and they do idea make in a my point... mind that he's shaking his head like a dog. <laughs> and they do make a point early in the episode to basically say, oh yeah, the weather there is miserable. So it's <laughs> fucking cold, probably. God, that sucks. Do you know someone whose driving rights you would revoke if you had the power? <laughs> Maybe don't name drop them. That could be a bit much, but... uh. Thank you so much for listening. Bye! Bye.